A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Okay, I'm ready. It's definitely recording to the right place. Well, I mean, we're going to find out, aren't we, in about 40 minutes. Welcome, Welcome to, to the HIV podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, lovely to see you on this. And you. Thursday morning, a little late recording again, aren't we? Yes. Well, it's been, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the kind of week it's been, right? Yes. I think I can't even speak. It has been another kind of topsy-turvy week, hasn't it? It really has. And obviously it rattles on our campaign to, I don't mean save our premises like it's getting demolished, but obviously for us to stay in it. And this week we um, we had the newspaper out, didn't we? mm um, and that story is going to come out today, actually, when the podcast is released. So we'll share it on our TVPS social media. But it was brilliant because the photographer turned up and everyone went to smile because, you know, when someone points a camera at you, that's what we're taught to do, isn't it? From a young age, say cheese type thing. And he was like, no, no, no. Sad faces only, please. Crossed arms. So who knows what this photo is going to look like, how grumpy we are going to look. That's very much a local paper stance, isn't it? If if public are ever not happy with anything, it's like sad faces all pointing at a pothole. Exactly. He wanted us at one point to put our hands in the air a bit like, say, what? And (laughs) we drew the line there. It was like, absolutely not. No, that's not going to happen. So I'm telling Sarah about this. People might wonder. Um, So she was off that day when the photographer came in. She had holiday. So she wasn't there. This is why I'm explaining it to her because people might say, don't you guys work together? What, what, What are you talking about? It wasn't planned. Well, it was my whole annual leave was planned, yes. but we didn't know that was the day that the photographer would be coming in. It's just very fortunate for me. <laughs> I was off. You're so lucky, honestly. <laughs> I really don't want to see this picture, I tell you. <laughs> of a grumpy faces. And also a busy week because we've got Reading Pride tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow. Yes. So if you happen to be in the Reading area and you're not getting a train anywhere because apparently there's a train strike, 
then come down if you're going to Reading Pride, come and see us, come and say hello. Oh, that would be amazing because we've got a lovely space, haven't we, where people can kind of hang out. Yes. And we love meeting people. Yes, yeah, so please do come and tell us if you listen to podcasts. Come and get a picture with us and we'll give you a shout out next week. Yes, I'm only going to do pictures with Grumpy Face because, you know, the press story is going to carry on and on. So I need to practice. Oh, okay, I actually love that. Let's do it. And I also want, I don't want just Grumpy Faces. I want the hands in the air, open face like, what? No, that kind of. I want that as well. Photos like that. People being outraged for us. Oh, gosh. Do you think if he comes back, because the, the local paper have been so supportive, haven't they? And they want to kind of keep this running, which is great. Do you think in the next photo, he'll just want us to cry? Oh, maybe we should. How would we do that? I could poke you in the eye before. Yeah, we poke each other in the eye. Yeah. And, and then it'll probably turn into a full on fight. You know, like yes. how things start slowly and someone takes it too far. And then that will be the story. It will be you and I wrestling on the floor. And everyone will forget about the house and it'll just be like, Sarah and Jess fall out. Charity workers wrestle outside centre. Yeah, that's all it'll be. No one will care about the house. But anyway, aside from all of that, I also have a little something to read out. Ooh. As you know, we're always open to helping anyone and everyone around like the HIV community, what's going on, what's happening, any project. And I have been chatting with Chris Olver this week. And so he has sent me this to read out. So it's going to sound like it's me saying it, but this is from Chris. Okay. So... Have you collected any historic material relating to your experience of HIV and wondering what to do with it? If so, the Documenting HIV slash AIDS Epidemic in UK project would like to know. The West Sussex Record Office is currently conducting a national survey of HIV slash AIDS records. This two-year project... Why can't I speak? The project... (laughs) The project... (laughs) I'm going to sit back. Half an hour later when I've managed to get it out. This two-year project is funded by Annabelle's Foundation, set up by the founders of HIV charity Avert. Um, So the project aims to identify vulnerable collections in both public and private hands and help preserve and promote the documentary of history of HIV in the UK. At the end of the project in January 2025, they will publish publish an online report giving giving a detailed directory of UK HIV slash AIDS archive collections and recommendations on how to help preserve and improve access to them. So basically, they're looking to find anyone who may have collected or owned any historical material relating to HIV currently in the UK. So it can include anything like paper documents, diaries, notes, letters, printed materials, leaflets, booklets, memorabilia, T-shirts, badges, sound or video recording. Um, and it's not limited to any particular date range, like it doesn't just need to be the 1980s. So the project is running from April 2023 to October 2024. And if you do have a collection, then the survey team would love to hear from you. So you can either contact them directly on email or Instagram. And I will put those details below the podcast episode because I don't have them to hand right now. Or you can leave details of your collection on their online questionnaire which can be found via a link that we will also put below the podcast so people can find it. So, yeah, if you have any HIV historical things, just get in touch with Chris. So there we go. That's all I've got today, Sarah. On on to porn. Anyone listening to this, because Jess, as always said, we heavily, heavily edit it. We do. It's taken Jess one hour, 45 minutes to read out that paragraph. In that time, I've drunk a cup of tea, touched up my makeup, and I've written a to-do list. I will give it to you. That was particularly poor, wasn't it? My, I mean, wow. Could not get half the words out. I don't know what I was doing. Couldn't even say <laughs> HIV at one point. Well, it makes a change from me. 
Yeah, true. I've taken the baton from you, Sarah. And Yes, you have indeed. Is it a baton or a baton? I, I say baton, but, you know. I went baton. Yes. I don't Very know. classy of you. Right. Porn. Yes. I'm, I'm on board. I am ready to go. I loved last week's episode. I wonder what we'll learn today. So last week, we looked at the challenges that the CDC, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, Remember, because they de- remember it's prevention as well, because it's like, where's the P? Yeah. And I think it sounds catchier, CDCP. But, you know, it's their choice. We looked at the challenge they face in tracing people who've been affected by HIV through their work in the porn industry. And if you're thinking that the cases that they looked at or the case that kind of evolved into a, a big piece of mapping because it affected so many people, if you think that was a bit of a kind of a one off, no. I think this episode will put that completely to bed. And we said in the last episode, didn't we, that we were looking at a report from 2014. So we're kind of starting, we've almost done it back to front because we've looked at that first and now we're going back in time to the 80s. Are you Are you happy back in your happy place? Well, I do love the 80s, but I do not love the 80s for people who work in this industry. So it's horrific. Yes. So we're going to use an article in the New York Times that is from November 2012. And it looks at the history of the porn industry and AIDS. I mean, it's pretty handy for us, isn't it? It's all in one place. And the article, it's interviewing people who worked in that industry, including a British couple that the newspaper describes as pornography pioneers. Oh, is it Bend Over? No. Because I feel like he's a pioneer, isn't he? Well, these are people who work behind the camera in the industry. So Suze Randall and Humphrey Knight. I wanted Um, them to have porn names. No, no, because they're more kind of on the production side. Oh, hang on. What would be your porn name? Saucy McAdam. Yep, no, but that's one you've made up. But I I mean, I like Saucy McAdam, definitely. But your porn name, isn't it? Wasn't it? um, Like your pet. And your first street name. What? Squeaks and Andrews? You'd be Squeaks and Andrews. I quite like that. I'd be Timmy Sevenoaks. <laughs> Timmy and Squeaks do slough. Oh, Squeak, rest in peace. Oh. <laughs> I miss her. What, what What? was she? A guinea pig. A very greedy guinea pig. She died because she got hurt. She was desperate for food as I was bringing in the carrot or whatever. She got her nose stuck in the cage <gasps> and she couldn't get her nose out. And she had a heart attack and died. Oh, my God. That's harrowing, Sarah. I know, I was only little, rest in peace, squeak. But I went with my friend, good few years ago now, to one of these kind of psychics people, you know, they get in touch with people from the other side. Uh, And she did my friend's reading, and then she said, do you want one? And I was like, whatever, go on then. And squeak got in touch to say all is well. Seriously? And and she actually said, I've got got squeak, squeak, coming through, squeak, a noise, squeak. And I was like, what are you doing? So I never want to go to one of those because I had two guinea pigs, right? Teddy and Gizmo. And when Teddy died... I was at school and I think, was I away? I can't remember. Anyway, it'd been like 24 hours that I had not seen Teddy. And Teddy had died and I got home and my mum was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, Teddy's died. And I didn't really have any pictures of Teddy. So do you know what I did? I (laughs) went into the garden and propped her up with some twigs to make her look like she was alive and did a photo shoot. Because I thought that when I got older, I wouldn't remember that she was dead when I took the She was so hard, like a little concrete thing. So I had to kind of prop her up and put like a flower under her paws. So no. awful. I've still got the pictures, I swear. Oh, you have to put one of those up on Instagram. <laughs> I'll have to get my mum to dig them out. But <laughs> Why would I do that? Why? 
in secondary school. I was about 11. Oh my gosh. I know. But yeah, anyway, that's uh, quite the diversion. But there we go. Yeah. So there you go. Shared history of guinea pigs. Back to the episode. Uh, so we're looking at, sometimes it's really hard to get back on track. And then also, I just need to point out, we never plan any of this. The only things that are planned in our podcast are, is all obviously the prep that Sarah does. And she writes the episodes beautifully, I might add. And then obviously I might have some prep for, you know, like we did today around the HIV history product project. But apart from that, it is like a wild roller coaster that we have no idea where it's going ever. And often I feel you're sort of trying to wrangle it. You're, you're trying to get in control. You're like, no, come on back. No, I can't get back in control. It's the most stressful hour of the week. <laughs> Watching it all derail. It's great. Trying to, trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Humphrey. Susan Humphrey. So they worked oh. behind the <laughs> Not even his name. Susan Humphrey. Wait. No, no, no. Suze was her name. Humphrey was his name. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so good. I think we should just stop there. And scene. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So. And the New York Times in November 2012 interviewed Suze Randall and Humphrey Knight. Both work in the industry behind the camera. Turn your camera off. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> right. So deep breaths. I'm still laughing about Susan Humphrey. Right. Pioneers, I'm with you. Yes. So they were described as pornography pioneers. They recall the fear in the 80s when performers began dying of AIDS. That's how you bring it back on track. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I mean, that, that's quite serious, isn't it? You, sh- you should have put that in earlier because that's yeah. a very serious point. So I should have done. So Suze says it was petrifying. You didn't want to be responsible for someone making love and then dying a lingering death. It took all the fun out of it. Would you describe porn performers as making love? Personally, I wouldn't describe any sex as making love because it cringes me out. Oh. <laughs> but that's my own personal opinions and we're not here to get into that. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I would, but is it because she was speaking to like the media and we seem to think that rather than saying have sex, especially in like the 80s, she's sort of bluffing it up for everyone, isn't she? They're making love. Yeah, no, she absolutely is. I don't think I would describe it as that. You're at work, aren't you? They're at work. They're doing their job. Yeah, they're just being paid to do a job. Yeah. But yes, I can imagine HIV did take the, the, again, the fun out of it. Who's having the fun here? So she talks about the first AIDS test that was released in 1985 and the industry adopted it, but it wasn't very effective. And we kind of looked at this last week, didn't we? So Humphrey says we had the blood truck, as they called it, at casting calls. So it was an ambulance that drew blood, but you had to wait two weeks for results. So when you're casting for your roles, you're also getting them tested for HIV. So wait, whether you get the role or not, or do you just get tested if you get cast? It was at casting call, so I guess it was open to everybody. I suppose it's useful to know, isn't it? If you're going to go to another casting call, you can say, right, well, I've just been tested. So actually those results are going to be back soon. I suppose that helps yeah. everyone. But we also know from last week's episode that the HIV tests weren't as effective as today's test. So you could taste test negative when in fact you're actually positive. The tests weren't advanced enough to detect HIV, especially if you'd only just contracted it. Heterosexual performers knew the disease. This is not my words. This is taken out of the newspaper. I wouldn't describe it as a disease. But anyway, it was mostly among gay men and drug addicts. But actors who did both gay and straight films worried them. So Humphrey says, look, we're a really small, very gossipy industry. And if word got out that a guy was bi or did drugs, no girl would work with him and the reason i'm kind of 
talking about this is this is a producer's point of view. In future episodes, maybe even in today's episode, we are going to look at the performer's point of view. And the two don't really tally up. Yeah, I can well imagine that. Now, he said uh, because of the threat of HIV, some producers stopped filming penetration scenes. But only some of them. And you think, well, if some did, why didn't all of them, if you're that concerned, just don't have any penetration? Why would you? Because people are greedy. Oh. During the course of the interview in the paper, they interviewed uh, someone called Nina Hartley, a registered nurse and a performer who has said that she has not let a male co-star ejaculate inside her since 1986. She said, just too risky. So some people were aware of the risk, but she's got a medical background, so she's going to understand more perhaps than other people. So Nina went on to say that porn films typically end with ejaculation on the actress's skin. You're the expert. Is that true? I mean, yeah. Without being crass, right, if you're coming inside someone, you're not going to see that, are you? So we could all just pretend, couldn't we? So I think it's about probably boobs, maybe face, butt, just listing the places. Anymore. Feet, hands, you could catch it. could catch it, couldn't you? (laughs) That'd be sexy. Then rub it all over you. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. know. This is, again, descending. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, most of, like, the... The cum shots are so you can see them, aren't they? Oh, why would you want to? What, see it? Well, I think that's sort of half the thing of porn, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just I'm just not getting the point of it. Anyway, <laughs> let's just move on. Uh, so Nina says, because that typically happened, she believes that saved dozens of lives in 1984 when the first performers were infected and 1998 when industry-regulated testing was imposed. So that is... 14 years. That's crazy. Isn't it? I mean, I find that really shocking. I mean, over a decade for that to happen. Yeah, when they knew this was an issue, but there was no regulated testing in place. The reason it changed in 1998 was that there was a scandal. Is this the great porn scandal? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Up until 1998, porn producers accepted test results on paper from doctors so you could go to the blood truck or you could find your own doctor and get tested that way what happened in 1998 is suddenly one woman after another was testing positive for hiv so the industry hired someone called sharon mitchell to investigate so she was a former actress within the industry she had a doctorate in human sexuality and she was trained in taking blood samples and she pieced together that all eight women that had contracted HIV, had done anal sex scenes with the same actor. Okay. Okay. His name was Mark Wallace. What she did next is not ethical at all. She got one of Mark's producers to entice him to the office with an offer of $10,000. Is what she says, her recounting story. And then she says, we kind of kidnapped him and I took his blood. <gasps> oh, my God. This is this that that I'm not going to lie to you. It's giving me like Suge Knight flashbacks when we did yeah. the episode about Easy E. Th- that's what happened. Yeah, that's what she says happened. They kidnapped him, took a sample of his blood for testing. She said it came back. He had a really high viral load. How did he feel about this? Well, from her point of view, uh, she then went on to name him at a news conference. I mean, did he know he was positive? 
Well, we can we will look into that. Okay. So the news conference was held at the Adult Industry Medical Clinic. So by now they've got their own specialist clinic in California, and it's a clinic that she helped to set up. So she holds a news conference there. She accuses him of infecting eight women with HIV. He denies the accusation. And the accusation was that he had changed a positive result that he'd obtained himself from an obscure clinic to a negative result. But why would he do that? Surely he like, surely you would know that that's only going to hold up for a very, very small amount of time if you work in sex work and you're having unprotected sex. Yeah. And studios on the back of this kind of changed to condom only shoots. But as Dr. Mitchell's clinic kind of ramped up testing, they kind of dropped that stance. So at one point she was doing, or the clinic was doing 1,200 tests a month and they kept a database so producers could check results. Oh, okay. So producers could go in and have a look. Yeah. Now you do have to question that if the studios changed to condom only shoots for that period of time, then they could do it all the time. Wouldn't it have been great? They could have led the way in educating the world that and, and normalising condom use. And made it like hot. And sexy, yeah. like, yeah. why not? You've got the perfect platform. Yeah, don't know. Did it for a while. And then they're like, oh, it's okay. Everyone's been tested now. We've got our own database. We can go in and check the results so no one can falsify their records. Uh, now, she says it didn't eradicate HIV transmission completely. Um, and she gives an example. So it's an actor called Darren James. In 2004, he'd returned from filming in Brazil. His test was negative, but he looked unwell. So she said to him, just please don't work. 26 days later, she tested him again. And this time he tests positive. But in the interim, he had ejaculated into 13 women. Three of them subsequently tested positive as well. So you've had this big scandal. She's named the guy that she thinks is at the centre of this. The industry kind of gets on board and says, right, condoms only. That then changes. And then she's still got people testing negative when they are, in fact, positive. So, you know, the system still does not work. Put anything on a database, can't you? But, you know, we've said this before. It's if you're testing within the window period. Well, it's already expired the moment you've taken that test, right? If you're in the window period, that's what I say to people. When they say to me, oh, well, I'm negative, it's fine. I said, well, no, the test has already expired in this time we've been talking because time has already moved forward. And if you're in the window period, then we need to test you once you're outside of that window period for a definitive, almost the second you've taken the test, it's already invalid Hmm. if you're in the window period. Yeah, it's just not working. Now, Darren, the guy that tested positive, went on to endorse campaigns to make condoms mandatory on the sets of porn films. And other performers affected by HIV were trying to do the same. Um, but they're fighting a losing battle, really, because it's the production companies that they are campaigning to. And they, you know, they're just there to make money. They don't care, do they? Yeah, absolutely. In 2011, the clinic's database was hacked. So the medical records, names and addresses of hundreds of performers were posted online. And that created a big old furore. I mean, that's, yeah, that's awful. I really feel for those people. Well, so do I. And it just, it it goes to show that even though they were taking steps to protect the performers in one way by having a database where you can test and producers can access your results, they're not protecting them in other ways. They haven't kept the information confidential enough. The database gets hacked. Their details are then posted all over the internet. And, you know, the performers were really cross, as you would be, because, you know, they're saying it's an invasion of privacy. Yeah, it's a massive invasion of, of privacy. 
Now, the state, California state, presumably, where the clinic was, ordered Dr. Mitchell to get a new clinic license. They just closed down the clinic. That's just rubbish, just to be like, right, okay, I'm off now, bye. <laughs> I know. So, oh, thanks for that. Now, the industry, well, I say the industry, I feel like I'm giving the industry a bit too much kind of credit here. But maybe altogether, they grouped together to create a new system overseen by an infectious disease specialist, Dr. Peter Miao. Apologies if I haven't pronounced that correctly. What the system does is certifies which labs may do tests. And its database has only two bits of information. So this is much better. So if there's a green tick, it indicates a negative test in the last 14 or 28 days. If there's a red cross, producers know that actor is unavailable. But actors can make themselves unavailable for any reason. So it could be that they're just on holiday. It doesn't mean that they've had a positive test result. That's much better. They introduced a new test, which picks up HIV and syphilis within 14 days of exposure. And the doctor that runs the clinic um, says, you know, look, it's still not perfect, but it does close down the window a lot. So there you go. There's a bit of history. But I think we also need to, we need to say a bit more about Mark Wallace, don't we? We can't leave. We can't leave it there. Yes. OK, well, he will feature in our next episode as well. But to cover us. It is widely reported that he falsified his HIV results, but he has never admitted to it, nor has he admitted to deliberately infecting the women that he worked with. Now, he's maintained, as far as I can tell, because in all honesty, there's not a huge amount of information on this, that he just didn't know his status. So there he goes off the hook, isn't he? It's fine. Fine, Mark Wallace. You just didn't know whether you were positive or not, but you just had a job to do. Again, we're going to look at this in next week's episode because we're going to look at one of the women who was infected, allegedly, by him. But for this week, a little bit more history about the American porn industry and HIV. Oh, very interesting. I'm really, I like their new system, though. I really, really liked that. Much- but it's so simple, isn't it? It's so much better. Yeah. But having to use kind of certified clinics to get your results rather than going off and getting your results from well, who knows where, is so much better, isn't it? It is. They have taken steps now to protect their performers, but it is a long time coming. No, I think we've learned a lot, you know, porn names, our porn names, learned about the great porn scandal. It's, it's kind of that, that sounds really like grand, like the great Gatsby, doesn't it? Like the great porn scandal. But I would say, but having kind of looked through all of this, that there were many scandals. I know they kind of hinge it on kind of one person, but it's... It's like anything to do with this. It's that there's only so much information that it seems to be readily available and then everything's just swept under the carpet. Because I suppose too many scandals hanging over your head would affect the industry, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting industry, isn't it? Lots happened. A huge amount. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> well, you better get off, Sarah, and get your rest because we've got a big day tomorrow. Oh, yes. Grumpy game face on. Yeah. pictures. And just come and say hi to us if you're there. Oh, yes. It would be nice to meet everyone, wouldn't it? And it's always a good day out. Yeah. Fingers crossed for no rain, everyone. Sadly, there's a train strike. So if you're planning to get the train to Reading, don't. Yeah. The odds are stacked against us a little bit, aren't they? Yeah. Well, we're used to the weather because it's always in September, isn't it? And the weather's very changeable. Autumn's in the air. Yeah. We're always right at the end of summer. Some of the the uh, promotional materials that we have actually say get ready for a hot summer. But unfortunately for us, our event is at the end 
of the summer. So it's just not really get ready for it. It's almost like get ready for a hot summer 2024. Maybe we should just change it. Get ready to end the summer. Get ready to end your hot summer in a hot, sexy way. Anyway, come and find us. Get your obligatory free condoms. Yes. So and that's we'll have other freebies as well. Exactly. I'll rifle through everything first, take out what I like, and then the rest we can offer out. Of course, standard, right? That happens every year. I'll turn up and you'll just be wearing like an assortment of like hats. You'll have key rings hanging off you like earrings, hoodies. And I'll be like, what, what is it? You'll be like, this is fine, Jess. This is what we're yeah. be wearing. Pocket stuff full of condoms. That's the yeah. way I'm going. Yeah, perfect. Love it. Okay, then, Squeaks, I will see you tomorrow. Okay, Timmy, over and out. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.